The one key difference between successful marketing teams and those still looking to break through the noise is a well-defined content strategy. A documented content strategy helps you align your content with your goals and plan your efforts to achieve the desired impact. The thing is, it's sometimes easier said than done, right? The free guide, Content Strategy for the Modern Enterprise from Acrolinks, focuses on the content part of building an enterprise-wide content strategy. Even if you already have a content strategy, there's no time like the present to make sure it's still serving your business goals and growing with your business. Download the Acrolinks Guide, Content Strategy for the Modern Enterprise, the ultimate guide to designing an effective strategy today at thetilt.com slash acro1. That's thetilt.com slash acro1 or find the link in the show notes. Now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 354 of This Old Marketing for December 15th, 2022. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and the only biggish celebrity I know who isn't getting sued for holding a collectible NFT, Mr. Joe Polizzi. You aren't getting sued, right? You're, you're, you haven't been served yet? Not yet. Not, but I'm, I am listening a little clearer to who's knocking at the door. I've got, I'm charging up my ring <laughs> right. doorbell to make sure. That's all. What do you think about that? It's, it's ridiculous that. It, like Jimmy Fallon having the board ape, and there's a right. lawsuit against Jimmy Fallon for owning a board. It's ape. the weirdest sort of collection of ne'er do wells, right? <laughs> you know, Tom Brady, Jimmy Fallon, uh, who else is it? It's uh, Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, um, there has been news breaking over the last, I don't know, week or so that uh, with the implosion of FTX the crypto exchange that many of the celebrities that had originally supported FTX, and there were a good number of them, um, are getting served with lawsuits. Um, but in addition, that some of them, Jimmy Fallon, Justin Bieber, and Serena Williams in particular, are getting served for having and holding Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs. Which is uh, totally ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it's it's silly. And they'll go nowhere, but it it does, you know, it, it, it proves the point once again that when somebody goes, you know, can you get sued for this? You can get sued for anything. <laughs> the the real question for, is... You can get sued for anything even when you that's do right. absolutely nothing. So just exactly. Make sure. Not that I have any experience with this. And not that but, this is legal advice no, at all. You, <laughs> but, but yes, I have I have seen in my days that people, uh, none of us on this podcast right now, getting sued for no reason at all with no evidence. It just sometimes yeah. happens. I the, did go look at the board ape. Uh, I went on OpenSea for the first time in I don't know two months. Okay, um, and just to look around and see what. Things like you know the crypto dads were going for, and what uh, uh, board apes were going for, all those crypto punks, what they were going for, they are wait, I mean, still very high. Let's let's be let's be clear, they're not they're not ten cents or anything, but they are way 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 discounted at this point. Well, you. you- well, it depends on what you're talking about. So let's take 99% of the NFT launches that are out there. Yes. That nine, like most of them, not worth a lot. Those collections did not make it. But if you look at That's right. Board API Club and you look at CryptoPunks, I mean, what do you what do you want? You you want a ten thousand percent increase? I mean, well, that's uh, that's my point. Is that it's still it's still it's still interesting. It's still a hundred thousand bucks to buy a CryptoPunk. It's and it's held its value pretty well. So I would I would take Moonbirds has done well, you know, Kevin Rose's proof collection has done well. Gary V's collection has dropped a little bit but still, you know, way above where it first came out. So I think that yeah. 
It's almost the same with I get this conversation with people about Bitcoin all the time. They're like, hey, that Bitcoin thing didn't really work out for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's just like it depends on your timetable. Sure. <laughs> Seventeen sure. seventeen thousand from where it was, you know, four years ago at two thousand or one thousand. It's not so bad. Right. So just yeah. it's all it's all perspective. Well, and it, it, timing. It, it, it was funny because I actually had this conversation with someone. Uh, we were talking about the narrative of media and how it is shaped uh, by time frame. Because I and the example I used was this was the market for NFTs. Because if you look at if you take away and and I showed this graph went to this person if you take away basically from November December of last year through about February and I'm those are rough right maybe October sure. through February. you mean the run up correct yeah the huge the the tulip market basically. Sure. Uh, of of nfts it's actually looks like a pretty normal graph for a technology or a asset class that is rising in value it's not i mean it's not been astronomical it's been relatively flat for the last two or three years but you if but you have to take away that huge bubble that appeared at the end of last year and beginning of this year to see that because it otherwise looks awful, right? It looks like it fell off a cliff. But if you go back and actually look at where it was in 2019 and early 2020, then you sort of compare it to where it is today, it looks normal-ish. I mean, it doesn't look like it's very interesting, to be honest. It looks like it's a very, you know, You're talking about the NFT class. market in general? Correct, yeah. right. The number of sales, the number of sales and the number and the value of the market in that uh, in that space, which means basically if you take away sort of the, the, the hype of October through February, it's like any other sort of normal asset class that gets introduced into a marketplace and grows slowly. And who knows, who knows what will happen over time? Yeah. I always say zoom. Yeah. I always say zoom out. Like, and (laughs) just what's your, if you're (laughs) like Bitcoin or not, first of all, this is not a financial show. But if you take Absolutely. the chart of Bitcoin and look at it in five-year increments, there's there's not a better performing asset class in the last ten years. Of course, if you take away these couple bubbles, which is ha- which have happened a couple times. I remember, remember when you and I were traveling on the. Remember when it first? This was at seven, sure. 16, 17, when it really yeah. started to go. We we're like, yep. whoa! It's up two thousand today. It's up three thousand. Yeah, it went that bubble, then it went back down, then it went up yep. again, and went back down. But it never goes down. To where it was before, and you're like, "Wow, this is a really good chart." If you kind of zoom out, well, the it's whole thing. It, it, what's so funny about that is that I can remember having this conversation with you in 2016. We were at a workshop or something together, and you were in the back of the room, sort of playing with this new thing called Bitcoin, and you know, and I know it wasn't new then, so don't at me. Um, it was new to us. Right? <clears throat> it was we new were to just us. Just looking at it. And you were playing around with it, and you were saying, "Oh, it's two thousand. It's you know, it's eighteen hundred. It's twenty three hundred. You know." And, and we were in at this thing, and at that point, you and I were both discussing, "Yeah, how do we buy a Bitcoin?" Right? I mean, it was how do you buy one or two Bitcoins in that in that particular case? It wasn't how do you buy point oh 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 one seven 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 eight nine seven percent of a Bitcoin, right? Yeah. It was you know it was it was how do you buy a Bitcoin for two or three grand, and then it just sort of went to the moon. So you're absolutely right. It's like it's the whole conversation about it just changed. But you know, it's funny. Back to the article, the thing with Tom Brady and being in the commercial for FTX and getting sued. If I'm, I mean, I, I remember those commercials. I watched many of them. He's talking about using FTX the platform. He's not saying you go out, you have to go buy Polygon or Solana or whatever token. Right. Sure. Yeah. So so I'm I'm trying to think of an equivalent. So that's like somebody's saying, "Okay, well, go to McDonald's. Go to uh, buy, you know, uh, well, I love it's a, Nike. It's, it's, it's a little different. It, it yeah. Oh, because it's, it's securities different. laws. Yes, little little things. Well, it's like secure. It's, it, it's securities, and and one, and to, this is a news item that we won't cover, but we almost did. I almost had it in the show notes, which is, it seems now that they're finding as they uncover more about this FTX that they were actually funding all of those commercials, including the airing of the Super Bowl commercial, 
with investors' money. In other words, with the with the money that was supposed to be held one for one for value of the accounts. <laughs> so it's it's a little it's a little skeevy. It's it's a little like the celebrities that were out there touting Enron back in the day. <laughs> but what I like about what's happened with the FTX thing, and and obviously the guys, well, he's he's going to jail of some kind. He's, he's in kinds, jail. He's yeah, in jail. He's got all yeah. kinds of lawsuits against him. It's about wire fraud. It's about conspiracy to do wrong. You know, all these things that are regular financial services charges. It's not on anything like. It's not on a cryptocurrency. It's that he he's fraudulent <laughs> with the business. That's true. Yes. Which That's is right. what it is, it's, and I'm glad that there. If you take it outside of it, it really didn't matter. Okay, yes, there. This was a cryptocurrency trading platform, but take that out of it. If this guy does this in any other scenario, he's still going to jail. Oh, sure. It's the same. It's the it's the same findings over. And over I loved again. how I loved how Professor Galloway said it on his podcast, where he said. Uh, this is like, but the size of this doesn't really impact the market. As he said, you know, it's almost like there was fraud in the windshield wiper market. <laughs> and, the, and the head of the windshield wiper market main company is is going to jail. Yep. That's about the same so level of small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, but it's we, really we talk small. about it like it's that's what that's it is so funny. It gets it's almost like Twitter, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in this episode. Musky scent. Yeah, we, we, we talk about. All the things that Twitter's doing, and then we have to realize that it is one of the smaller global companies out there. It's a small media company. And we're talking about this, that it has this huge impact. And it does because of the people that are on it and its influence and Elon Musk. But it's not even, you know, if you look at any one of the other social platforms, they're 10, 20 times the size of Twitter. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyways. How's the rest of Anyways, your uh, your week going? My my week is going relatively fantastic, I have to say. It seems like things are winding down quite a bit. It feels like the way that the holidays are falling this year, you have a lot of people who are checking out a bit early. Uh, I've had a lot of people this week go, you know, let's just put that meeting off until after the first of the year. I'm I gonna, love that. That's I my do best too. Part of this I have time, to say, it's like we don't yeah. have to work, do we? No. Yeah. Nobody yeah. does. It, there's a lot of people who are who are taking the opportunity to go, hey, next week, really, I'm kind of done on Tuesday, you know. And so I I I'm enjoying that very much, and I'm enjoying getting ready for Christmas, and I'm enjoying getting ready for a little. We're gonna go up to our little place up in Montecito and and hang out there, and I'm I'm getting into the holiday spirit. I'll put it that way. Oh my God, I have to tell you, I shared this in my Joe Polizzi newsletter. After we recorded, because we I recorded last week, I was in Brussels, Belgium, but I'd sure. done my keynote, but I, we, you know, Pam and I didn't get a chance to go and check out all the sites yet. Well, we had a chance to go downtown to the city center for Brussels, and they had their Christmas market, which I didn't even think was a thing. <laughs> there we go. Oh my God, it was amazing. I mean, there's. I told you so. I, I know, told but you. I didn't yeah. know. You told me, and I found out from all these people that it was. And then I, a lot of people that, of course, that were there in Brussels said, "Oh, well, Brussels has the best Christmas market in Europe." And I'm like, "Oh, there's other uh-huh. ones." And I'm, there I feel go. so oh, ignorant. The, every yeah, that I didn't every know city. that every <laughs> every major place has a Christmas market, yep. which if you don't know, are basically unique foods and crafts and all you know wines and beers and all set up. Lots of lights and lots of oh, it's you know, beautiful fun and music it's, in yeah. the downtown area or the city center area. But the one thing that I love that you probably I don't know if you would like it or not, but maybe you've had. Have you had hot wine before? Oh, of course, Bean absolutely. Mold wine is fantastic. Oh, yeah. glue wine beautiful. or whatever they call it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, it was it was fantastic. I'm like, yeah. Where was this my all my life? And Especially will, when it's zero degrees out, I'm walking around that with hot will, wine. It's I'll great. bet your lovely wife liked that stuff too. Oh. Yeah, we went back for more. Yep. But we didn't do the hot wine, and you can get a shot of like a shot of rum or amaretto. We didn't do that. That's a next time thing. We got to go. Oh, got to go Christmas add market. on to the vine shot. Oh, so. Christmas market. I miss it. I miss That's one of the things I miss about traveling to London or Brussels or Stockholm. Oh, there was a great Christmas market in Stockholm. Um, 
Yeah, just fantastic stuff. Just really, really lovely. So good. We, yeah, we so, we, we do not do it well here. People yeah, we are, do not. The, it, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the people are so nice. It's just, that's the one oh, thing. Because I know I saw Everybody's your, your, in a good mood, and there's music, and there's Christmas festivities, and so many lights, and oh, it's just beautiful. It's just, it totally puts you into the Christmas mood. It does. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I saw in your Facebook, you know, you were talking about how, you, you know, that one year you did all the traveling, and- yeah, it was fifteen and sixteen because we were working together at the. That's time. right. That's you're right. Doing all the traveling for consulting, and you're like, "Wow, that was a different reality back then." But two hundred and five thousand miles. Yeah, yeah, that was something. That's a record. I mean, for you, it wasn't a record. No, the record was twenty nineteen. The record twenty nineteen was two thirty five. I think. No way. It was. Yeah, it was. It I've was never come close that, to that. I think the it, cl- like I've 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 broken six figures. For sure, especially when we were doing Content Marketing World Sydney and you and I were traveling. To yeah, Singapore. well, that's that's that 2015, 2016 yes. time frame, yeah. So I yeah. had I was up I was up closer to you then, but I still never traveled as much as you did. Yeah, thankfully. it's it was it's so much cross country, right? I never had any still to this day have very few West Coast clients. They're either Europe or East Coast, not by any design, just the way it was, and so it was so many cross country flights. Um and then yes, Australia, and then Korea, uh, and Singapore, uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're all over Europe, of course. Yeah, it's I, and I'm I, I'm ten percent of that now. I'm ten or fifteen percent of that now. Good for you. Much happier for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, right. we're so far in the show that we can't talk about football. I'm sorry. No, Robert. we're yeah. I've it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't want to talk. I, I'm about sure it it's anymore. fine for you. Yeah, I am absolutely sure it's fine for you. Um, well, you, you know, you you make it to the playoffs, and then we'll talk about your Cowboys. That's right. Yeah. It, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be very very interesting. But we do have a fun show <clears throat> for you. We're going to talk about a few things and breaking news, actually, uh, over the last couple of days. Federal lawmakers here in the U.S. have introduced a bipartisan bill, which is saying something for here in the U.S., to ban TikTok. We've been talking about this, uh, and especially Joe has been talking about this, so we'll talk a little more about it and talk about the implications of what is happening now on the Hill. We'll talk about, of course, our musky scent segment with Twitter. Uh, there's a few couple of, or a few couple, uh, a couple of new news items that we can talk about, which are mostly what's going on with Elon uh, really changing things up, not changing things up. And there's something that maybe there's a reason for that. And we'll talk about some of the interesting things that are going on there this week. Uh, if we get time, we'll talk about Jelly Smack and how it's smacking off 8% uh, percent of its workforce. That sounded ruder than it needed to be. Uh, and then... <laughs> If we also have time, we'll talk about media companies and how they're struggling to act like technology companies. We often talk about the reverse. Interesting new article that's talking about the Washington Post and its uh, ongoing challenge with technology, which I've covered on this show before. And then we'll get to rants and raves, of course, and I will rant and rave a little bit about how agencies, especially the New York ad agencies, are looking for new revenue models in a challenging time. And uh, Joe will continue our discussion about the musky scent and talk about Elon and Tesla, actually, and uh, what's going on with Elon and his sort of, I guess, cashing out uh, for various reasons. So a chock-a-block full of shows, I think. Um, it's a good yeah, way to put good it. Good stuff. And we'll chock-a-block. smack the heck out of this show. Mold wine, a mold wine fill of the show. Let's get to the first story, if we will. And it comes to us courtesy of The Hill, uh, which is a relatively conservative publication uh, that covers The Hill, uh, the American Congress. And the headline here is that the Senate votes to ban TikTok use on government devices. We will couple this with another story coming straight from CNN, uh, where it is U.S. lawmakers have now introduced a bill full stop to ban TikTok. I'll read that one first, which opens up by saying a trio of U.S. lawmakers has introduced, uh, wouldn't it be have introduced? Yeah, I a think trio, it would. A trio yeah. has introduced. No, it's okay. 
All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm wrong. No? A trio of U.S. lawmakers has introduced new legislation that aims to ban TikTok from operating in the United States. The new bill by Senator Marco Rubio, blah, uh, the top Republican <laughs> me how Senate really Intelligence <laughs> Committee, I don't like that guy, uh, and a bipartisan pair of congressmen in the House reflects the latest escalation by U.S. policymakers against the Chinese-owned short-form video app. TikTok has faced doubts about its ability to safeguard U.S. user data from the Chinese government. The proposed legislation would block and prohibit all transactions in the United States by social media companies with at least one million monthly users that are based in or under the substantial influence of countries that are considered foreign adversaries. I mean, that's written for TikTok, but obviously it is uh, a feeble attempt at trying to make this a broader than just one company bill. Uh, The article goes on, of course, to talk about the legislation itself and ByteDance and some of the history behind that. And then, of course, we'll pair that with the Hills uh, article on the fact that the Senate has already now voted to ban TikTok for use on government devices following a number of states uh, that have done so and that we've covered on this show. Here we go, Joe. What do you th- I mean, what, what is your take? I think this is probably pretty big news for TikTok consumers uh, like sure. me and, and creators for sure who are who are building their either their rented house or in some cases their all their houses Entire on thing, yeah. uh, TikTok's land. Well, it's interesting how this happened because, let's see, the last three episodes, we've just had, oh, uh, South Dakota, and then we had Utah, and, you know, everyone's, the the, the government employees were, were, were banned from using those devices, if not already. It's like, okay, well, yeah. you and I were saying, okay, we're starting to see the breadcrumbs. This could lead into something. I honestly didn't expect it would happen this fast. I didn't either. And, and so this is different than the bluster i think of the trump administration when he was going on and on about this and we thought that tiktok was going to get purchased by i think then oracle there was talk about walmart and oracle all sorts of things and then nothing happened with that and it just kind of went away and now more and more you're seeing this as uh, china and uh, united states sort of figure out uh, how they're going to stage this information battle if you will and for those of you that don't know you know china bans all U.S. social media apps already, so they've they've already looked at this as a national security issue. So now right. you have this group of lawmakers. I never knew that that's Marco Rubio's name was Rubio Blah. I did not know that's how you pronounced it. But thank yes, you. Yes, it is how you pronounce for it. That's correct. That is the know that, but it's, it's a bipartisan. It, it's the silent M E H uh, in his name. Meh. Yeah. You get it's it's Rubio Meh. But so there's a couple interesting things in this. First of all, the on Wednesday the Senate voted to, as you said, to ban TikTok on all government government devices unanimously. Nothing ever happens unanimously. This oh no, this is huge. This is everyone's on the same page with this one, and now they're taking into this bipartisan group to try to ban it. And by the way, I did read the actual bill. Um, oh, you did? Oh, I did. Wow. I read the actual bill, and it does. It goes through what you said, and it makes it clear, like, oh yeah, that's definitely written for uh, TikTok. But then it actually, at the end of it, um, mentions Byte Dance and TikTok. Just in case you didn't get it before, it, they mention those those company. Well, it's the same company. It's just like okay, they are definitely singling out uh, TikTok, and. I think this is seriously going to happen. And we've talked about, I mean, when did we start talking about it? Six months maybe ago? We're like, hey, this is, I'm starting to feel that this could be a thing. And here it is. It's going to happen. I don't know how quickly it's going to happen, but I almost feel like they're going to fast track this thing through. So if you are a brand using TikTok or you're a creator leveraging TikTok, if you're in the United States, you might not have that opportunity in the next couple months. I mean, yeah. how fast do you think something like this could work? They well, it can go very, quickly, but this it can go very quickly. fast. Yeah, it can go very fast. You'll, I, the thing is, I don't think there's going to be a lot of lobbyists. Uh, you know, as we talked about last week on the show, there are obviously tons of lobbyists on the other side from Meta, Twitter. Uh, every other company out there, Microsoft, that's, that's yeah. Com- so Microsoft, Google, LinkedIn, yeah, Google. Uh, I mean, I mean, all Everyone of them right, are happen. going to be going. Yeah, they're all going to be going, standing up and applauding and saying, "Yes, please, may I have another?" Um, so that will that will hasten things. Let's put it that way. They'll all be volunteering to help write this thing. Um, 
because they all see the existential threat that that TikTok provides. And I just don't think there's going to be a lot of on the other side trying to slow this down. Maybe some of the advertising uh, lobbying, but I can't, I can't even imagine that they'll care that much. Um, and in fact, they may be they may be falling on the side of the the other social networks anyway because most of those are don't really care where it's going they just may want to make sure the money continues to flow so anything that makes things easier uh, for money to flow into the advertising buckets they'll they'll support so i i really I, I could see this moving very, very quickly if um, if if they and uh, by the way, we predicted this, right? We said, look, once they get through to me, this signals a couple of things. One is, is that they've gotten through the major January 6th stuff and they're feeling good about where the election came out and they're sort of feeling that they're through with that. And so now they're looking at taking on some of the things that were waiting in the wings. So you could see a lot of things start to start to pull through here uh, in the in the wane, let's say the waning days before the new uh, legislators come to come in uh, that start to that start to really try and you know get over the damned up gates or whatever yep. they are of legislation so I think you know you may see privacy bill too you may see the privacy bill uh, come to the forefront as well that's yeah. This is probably the best strategic move that Zuckerberg has made in a long time, right? <laughs> well, it's really you know, interesting, you know right? He because wants this to happen for a variety of reasons because he can't figure out that algorithm. And here, let's just look at what happens when TikTok goes away. You know, there, there's two companies that benefit most from this: Meta and Google. YouTube right. Shorts starts to okay, good. They can't figure out the yep. algorithm. Okay, good. TikTok's gone, and same thing with Instagram. Yep. So they go right back on top again. I mean, if you were a, if you were playing the stock market, not that I'm I do, but if you were, you might buy Meta right now at a depressed level you, and say, "Hey, this is only going to help them more than anything." I'm else. hearing a lot of analysts saying exactly that. They're yep. saying that Meta, and again, <laughs> please, this is not a financial yes, show. This not. is not. We we offer no advice here, but the. The analysts that I've heard have talked about this idea saying it's already undervalued and all you have to believe for it to be to go up even a little bit at this point is that Zuckerberg can turn it around a little bit. You know, in other words, that the 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 numbers that they're making are already there. And if you believe that they will go up even a little bit, the, the number of advertising, the amount of advertising revenue, then it's undervalued. And it's a great buy. If you believe this, it and that TikTok will ultimately have real challenges. I think there will be a deal at some point where, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the way they, and there could be an acquisition here. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how quickly Meta's stock turns around. And by the way, to your point, Google's as well. Yeah, I, I would imagine the future of TikTok in the United States, and by the way, in, in the EU as well, because I, I, and I talked to some people when I was in Brussels last week, we were talking a little bit about it, and most of the people, marketers over there, thought that the EU leadership, the countries over there, would wait and see what the United States did. So, okay, now you see the U.S. go in that direction, EU is going to fall in after that, it seems, and you're going to see the, you know, the, the, the Western world ban TikTok, unless to your point, there's an acquisition and it's spun off because that could have saved it at one. You know, there was talk, you know, when we about the whole Oracle thing happening and there's like, oh, is it really is it really owned by U.S. company? Is it really right. fully divested from ByteDance, which is owned by, you know, it's a Chinese company. There's a whole lot of stuff in there that we don't know about. But um, that's the only way to save it, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Well, it, it, we will see. We will see. It'll be happening quickly. Who knows? Happening I mean, very quickly. This will go on Friday morning. Something might happen today. I mean, I, yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never happened. know. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time to move to our next story here, which is, of course, our regular segment or what has become a regular segment on this show, which, of course, is the musky scent. And I failed this week in finding a song. So we'll have to continue to look for something to introduce our little segment here do if it's people really want that people want a no song, i don't think they do the i do but i don't think the people do yeah the musky scent of twitter we do 
Yeah. We want it, but the audience probably does not want it. This is going to come courtesy of the Business Insider. Interestingly, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, Twitter killed off review, which I was actually kind of sad about ultimately because I actually signed up for a review for a newsletter program that I wanted to launch and I thought it was pretty good. Um, and I thought it was really interesting of how you could integrate it with Twitter. Uh, and they've killed it, of course. And now the rumors are Elon Musk said he's open to buying the publishing platform Substack after a Twitter user said it would give him control of the narrative layer of the internet. Come on. Guys, just that's the most ridiculous. I mean, doesn't surprise me that Business Insider covers it. But yes, there there is the... Uh, and of course, Elon tweeted back and said he's open to that idea. Of course he did, because of course he did. Uh, so we can talk about that in just a second. But we'll pair that again with another story that comes out of the NBC News, uh, I guess, feed. Uh, and the interesting thing here, this was an interesting point, and I actually have a take on this. Okay. The headline is, Why Liberal Washington Can't Quit Twitter. The subheadline here is, they may hate Elon Musk, but they're not leaving Twitter yet. You'll have to pry my fingers from my phone, said one. The, uh, the ad article opens up by saying, to tweet or to not tweet, that is the question many left-leaning and Elon Musk-loathing political influencers are debating, often on Twitter. Washington was one of the first places to grasp the potential power of Twitter, and it may be one of the last places to abandon it, as many raise concerns about the platform's new direction, despite the hand-wringing of its biggest blue-voting, blue-checked, marked users. Uh, as said one, Alex Vindman, the former Army Lieutenant Colonel and National Security Council official who was at the center of the Trump first impeachment, I'm just coming up with coping mechanisms for how I can still use this thing, he said. Vindman's first joined Twitter while working on the Trump administration because it was the way to uh, get to his then boss, the president, and see how he made policy. But now he's become a pseudo-celebrity on the platform with 850,000 followers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the article goes on to talk about a few others uh, and how they are struggling with this, but they just can't quit. I mean, it's the whole, I mean, the Brokeback Mountain jokes are just right there. But uh, but the the whole thing seems to be that the, the left can't really quit Twitter as it becomes more right-focused. Uh, I have a take on this, but I wanted to get sort of your thinking first on 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 the on the musky scent. You know, what do you, what do you think about what's happened in the last week? Well, first of all, the whole Substack thing is is silly, and it's never going to happen, in my opinion. And he'll just no. say anything to get in the news. Right. So he's going to say, "Okay, yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Whatever." By the way, not the richest man in the world anymore. I'm going to talk a little bit about this in in commentary. But yeah, if you if you go and look at political. Uh, folks on Twitter, they're not going to... Like, why even talk about it? If it's working, they, they're going to have to use that platform. If it's working for you, you use it. I talk about that with any business. They say, oh, should I get off of Twitter? Should I stop? If it's working for you, stay on it. If it's not, don't. You know? <laughs> right. It's what, that simple. What, yeah. So so I, the whole thing is, oh, I don't want to use it because it's more concerned, whatever. That's all BS in my opinion. Are your constituents on there? Are you are you finding value in it in in your business? Then you stay on it. It's what's your what's your take with the whole liberal? So I think it, it's interesting. I've heard a couple of analysts. I've been reading a lot of about this, and I've heard a few analysts say that Elon's there. There seems to be two takes in terms of what Elon is actually doing with his nonsense. And the first take is that he's trying to drive down the value so that he can buy the debt on the cheap, which seems to be pretty far-fetched to me. Uh, and some of the analysts have said the same thing, that it's that's eh, the, the banks aren't going to be that dumb. Uh, they're just going to continue to say, yeah, just pay our interest payment, sure. Elon. To, you know, so they're not going to buy into the- Which is a billion plus a year in interest That's payments. right. That's right. Yeah. So they're not going to buy into the whole, he's driving down the value to, to sort of fake- fake everybody out that he's destroying the thing. The second take, which is he's trying to reformat and build a, and let's not call it, let's call it independent, right, for the moment, as he would, a free speech, which leans more to the right, because he certainly leans more to the right. He's trying to build a platform that is actually a successful version of what Truth Social or uh, Parler might be, a right-leaning uh platform. 
Here's the thing. I think that could be the case, but I think what if you look at it in its simplest form, what he needs are people fighting. The whole thing about free speech, the whole thing about being the public town square, the whole thing about this being a place where you want to you know, create all kinds of activity around uh, speech and issues and people conversing with one another – is you these days anyway you need the tension you need you need people fighting with each other because that's what generates clicks that's what generates the activity that's what generates threads that's yep. what generates everything and so if he realizes that the majority of people on twitter are are either in the middle you know if it's if there's sort of a bell curve it might lean slightly to the left or had leaned slightly to the left and giving surface now more to that right sort of moves the bell curves more toward either center or center right, right? And so to do that means there's going to be a lot more sort of ugly fighting, but lots and lots of activity, lots and lots and lots of activity. And I think some of the numbers even support this. I have not looked at the numbers lately, but what it seems to me is that there are fewer users, but there's more activity. And if he can do that, if he can create and foment that conversation and that, you know, I'm using conversation loosely here in quotes because it doesn't tend to be high quality conversation. But if he can foment that sort of activity, that does look a little more successful if he's trying to build something that would then be worth building up into another advertising platform or something where there could be a subscription model attached to it. That's that's the best I've been able to come up with so far. And this kind of article is what sort of triggered me to think like this because it's like, right, they're there and they can't let the conversation happen without them. They've built up these followings, 800,000, 100,000, 500,000 followers, all these quote unquote celebrities. They it's it's really hard for them to let go of that audience, and it's really hard for them to let go of that reach into that audience for their own purposes. And for their own purposes, they need something to write about. And what would they write about is they can write about the things that the bombs that are thrown into the middle of the table. Yeah. So he's actually attracting in those people, and so it's not actually a bad marketing strategy. I guess is my point. Well, and and. I, I I mean I'm just looking it up right now. I mean the users are up too. I mean it's I think that I think that if you looked at overall engagement and users uh, since Elon took over, they're probably both up. The problem is is that advertising is down eighty percent, so that business model right. is shot. So what do we right? What that's we the gap. Do? That's the bet, right? That's the bet is that you can make that change and attract in reattract the advertisers back to the platform. And I think that maybe if there's a huge flaw in this argument, that may be where it is because he's got to be able to assure the brands of brand safety that their ads aren't going to appear on horrific, yeah. you know, right wing uh, or left wing, quite honestly, uh, po- you know, profiles where hate speech is being mentioned and he can't do that right now. And that's one of the, that's the biggest reason that advertisers are quitting is because they just can't, they, he can't guarantee that right but now. But also, yes, I totally agree with you, but it's also the fact that Twitter's advertising just doesn't work as well as Facebook's or Instagram. No, of course, there's it that too. Doesn't. <laughs> there's that too, yeah. So it's, it's, it's almost an excuse. I mean, if I, it's a really easy thing for a brand to say, oh, I'm, I'm leaving Twitter right now because of, you know, I don't, I, there's no brand safety. Well, really, they were, they wanted to leave anyways. Because it's not working. Sure, I I think there's some of that. I, I mean, I'm I, I am noticing. I'll tell you, I, I I'm noticing ads a lot more than uh, uh, noticing than, ads than, on Twitter a lot more. Correct. Oh. There's there's definitely more ads now. Uh, I mean, that's anecdotal from my perspective. Now, I'm not writing on Twitter much. Uh, well, viewing. at all. I, I'm just viewing. Well, because I go in and I check the hashtag for story ideas and. I tend to heart a few call outs and stuff like that. I'm not responding to any of those just because I made the decision, as you stated in the beginning, I made the decision uh, about a month and a half ago that I didn't want to monetize. I didn't want to monetize that level of vitriol that was happening on Twitter. I just, I didn't want my content monetizing it. 
So I've taken a pause, right? I've taken a pause on writing and posting on Twitter, but I'm still there uh, and monitoring and looking at it and all that because it's part of my job. And so that I've just started to notice a lot more ads than usual. I mean, there's, if you believe this, if you believe that, (coughs) that, that, the ads are actually contextual. There are a lot of companies that buy our hashtag. Like if you go search our hashtag, this old marketing, hashtag this old marketing, there are two or usually two or three ads in that feed right at the top. So I don't know if they're buying our hashtag or if it just, you know, it gets lumped in with marketing or something. It's got to yeah. be dumb luck. It's just, it's, there's no way somebody's purposely yeah. doing that. No, no. But of course I'll not. Tell you, of course I'll not. tell you, just to sum this whole thing up, from what yeah. I've seen in the last three weeks, the biggest winner in the whole Twitter fiasco is LinkedIn and is not even close. I've seen so many yes. people double down. On and the post. And it is I would say and the new them. and the post. I would say the post is their growth is their, oh, co- the, the, which we covered. The, I did. Yeah. I did get the sign up for that one. Are you using post? I've, I'm waiting for my entree. Oh, sorry. Um, I signed up for mine. the thing. <laughs> as usual i'm waiting for my i was waiting for my blue check and i'm waiting for my my post no i just i signed up and i haven't gotten in yet but i'm, I'm sure it will be coming forth uh soon. are you still bullish on mastodon i am actually okay. yeah but probably not for it's unless different. things change it's not a twitter it's very different it's not a twitter replace that's my point yeah, yeah. Is, is that is it, it, i'm actually bullish on it for a number of reasons i like it very much as a platform uh, but I don't think it's going to be a good Twitter replacement. I think it's it's better for it's better for networks of communities than it is for, and that's what it was built for. Uh, it's it's not re- it wasn't built to be a Twitter replacement, yeah. but it's the whole federated model is 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 an interesting one uh, with great pros and uh, quite a few cons as well. well so my my prediction on this one, and you've you've heard me say this before. Post and Mastodon and all the Twitter possible replacements out there. The the replacement for Twitter, uh, old Twitter, is new Twitter. Whatever new Twitter becomes or is, it's right. going to be Twitter. That's right. So and no no sense in my opinion looking for what the new Twitter is going to be. Just hang around for a couple months and see whatever this is, and that's that's what they're going to be on. Yeah, <laughs> it's just got that's such right. a head start. So many people already there, and it's working for a lot of people. So yeah, done. Exactly. All right. One quick story, because I know you have a quick point on this um, that you want to sort of lay down as a data point here. Uh, this comes to us courtesy of Business Insider, and it's about Jelly Smack, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, but you'll educate me on that. Uh, creator economy startup Jelly Smack has laid off 8% of its staff amid concerns of an ad downturn. Here's the email the co-founder sent to the employees. Uh, the article goes on to explain how Jelly Smack, a creator economy startup, has now laid off 8% of its employees. It's a meaningful number, given how small they are. Uh, Jelly Smack's leadership also told employees it planned to cease some international operations, and they sent a what was generally considered a relatively kind email laying off uh the folks but you you're looking at the broader picture here I think. it's just yeah it's just another data point jelly smack you know they're trying to help content creators monetize they're they really focus on video creators and what you saw in 20 and 21 was a lot of money a lot of vc money go into a lot of these different companies and it there was so much competition so quickly so much money flying around and you're just starting to see everyone pull back a little bit but what you're not seeing the companies that are very successful are the uh, the podcast distribution companies, the email distribution companies. Though the, the basically they've they've got uh, they're focusing on regular marketing services type entities that businesses that have already been out there. Great, I can go and it's beyond the creator economy. It's just small businesses, whatever. But I think when you see a lot of these companies that are going after. A lot of very small pieces of revenue from a large number of people that they think, oh, the creator economy is 300 million people. It takes a long time to get there. <laughs> so I think you're just seeing a lot of this being weeded out right now. It's totally fine. What so did you, they do? Uh, what, what did Jelly Smack or what does Jelly Smack They'll do? go ahead. I'm not, I'm, I don't know all the ins and outs of Jelly Smack, but I believe what they do is they help video creators monetize through brand deals. Oh, I see. Sort of like an intermediary, yes. right? An, an, an intermediary to say, you come into our network and then we'll pair you up with ads and, and then brands can come in and buy 
tranches of of content creators and have their ads appear on those content well, creators. Well, here, let, let, let me let's just go and say it. So basically, Jelly Smack Creator Program it says helps hundreds of the world's leading creators expand their brand presence and maximize earnings by putting their videos on multiple social platforms. So in this case, it sounds like it's a video it's a distribution. distribution. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, I, I mean, distribution. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. they, they, I mean, it right. goes back to our TikTok thing, though, too. I mean, all this time that is spent by creators and marketers listening to this right now, we're putting so much into these platforms that may or may not be around or may or may not care. Yeah. Or may or may not change the rules. And that's just a tough place to be right now if we're distributing social media content. I met with a small business yesterday. Then they were they they have a very specific angle in financial services. And they wanted to how do they build an audience and go and they said, Where do I need to be on social media? And I was honest, and this I can't believe I said this, Robert. I said, honestly, you don't need to be on social media. I'm like, whoa. They're like, what? Are you kidding me? It's like you 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 really don't. You don't have to focus on building all these audiences on social media. If you already have a customer base and you believe that if you distribute amazing content to that customer base and get that those customers to share with people just like them, their network, you might be okay just doing that. And they, they just didn't believe me. But it, it's, it's absolutely true. You don't have to be on social media to survive. Now, if you maximize one or two platforms really well and can figure out from a content distribution standpoint, get people to... Sign up for your emails or listen to your podcast. Great, right? You and I have benefited from you know pretty good social media audiences that's driven to our own properties. Wonderful. Sure. Yep. But do you have to do that today? No. I remember. I mean, what was it for? Two thousand six, two thousand seven. People were saying, "Hey, you don't need a website. You just have to be on Facebook." Right. Well, shoot, that would have worked out horrible, wouldn't it? Ooh, that would be bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I guess I'm just saying. Okay, if you've got if you got all your ducks in a row and you're working all your own properties, you've got a really good strategy there. Secondarily, then you look at your video distribution on all these other platforms. I think that's right. You know, it, it's 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 interesting to me because distribution is not the hard part, right? It's it's that's what's so interesting when I see some of these new startups that are really taking on some of the you know, there. There's been a lot of let's call it innovation in quotes around the content creator economy in terms of the solutions being provided to both brands and content creators that are really best. And this happened, by the way, in the early 2000s too, during the dot-com, that, that are features, not applications. They're not solutions. They're, they're, they're best served as features within other applications. And in many cases, some of these companies realize this. They're, they, they, they're conscious of that. And what they're doing is they're trying to build the coolest version of that feature ever with the sole intention of being acquired by a bigger company that needs that feature for their suite of products or whatever it is. And but I think what you're seeing in here is an over-eagerness, like you said, of funding a lot of these companies that are now well ahead of their skis in terms of how big the issue or challenge is they're actually solving. And what we're finding now is, is that it, it's really not something that is primary and or critical for a content creator to solve right now, right? And and those things are front and center for any content entrepreneur but it's 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 really tough right because you say this all the time which is you have to build your audience before you monetize your audience right you have to what was it you were talking about the other day with we were we were chatting and you were saying everybody always talks about this idea of right build a community build your audience and then okay now the real challenge here is monetizing that audience and you have to do it through advertising you have to do it this and, and everybody sort of skips over that sort of <laughs> step number one which is that no 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 you actually have to build that audience before you monetize it oh and, let me here let me ran on this for a little bit so yeah. i get a, a very nice person i i got a linkedin request it was it was a it's like oh i i know your buddy and he told me to get in contact with you. I've got a podcast and I'm looking to launch a sponsorship program. So before I reach back, he sent me the link to the podcast and I went and looked yep. at it. Well, it's been around for two years, had like four episodes in 21 and like six episodes in 22 and just whenever. 
<laughs> just right. like, and right. I, I could tell, I don't even need, I know that there's no audience there. I absolutely right. know. So you, you're ready to look at sponsors and you're not even doing the, the hard work here to build the That's audience. Right. And so I was trying to be nice and I just, <laughs> I just said, um, okay, here's a book <laughs> that'll tell you most <laughs> of the things. Right. Uh, why don't you get that book? Uh, Content Inc. is the one I recommended. I said, go ahead and look at it. And then, and then if you have any additional questions, I'm happy to help you. But I already know the problem. You haven't even built an audience enough to monetize it. You haven't built a product yet. Yeah, that's exactly There's it. nothing to yeah. sell here. Unless the you content just, is unless not the, the product. The audience nice is the product. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, what else? All right. Yeah. Well, let's get to our rants and raves section. And this is, of course, where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we own a couple of crypto dads or a couple of bored ape NFTs or that we own a couple of board ape NFTs and are getting sued for it. Um, so uh, before we get to our rants and raves, of course, we want you to go check out our little uh, home on the web, our owned media property, as it were, this old marketing dot site, where we can answer questions. We can you can listen to other shows. You can click on any of the links from any of the show notes and get to the stories that we talk about. And of course, you can leave reviews and you can forward it off to people for them to subscribe. And if you haven't gotten that perfect Christmas gift for somebody yet, somebody that you'd love. Get them the gift that keeps on giving. Two chuckleheads talking every week about the musky scent of Elon. And you could even put that in your Christmas card. Hashtag us up, won't you, at This Old Marketing on Twitter. We love those story ideas. We need those story ideas. Please, 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 we love you so much. Thank you very much for your participation and everything you've done this year. Uh, and uh, and with that, yeah, do you want to go first? or mine's, go first? mine's really quick, and it's just okay. And not that I want to keep banging on this Elon Musk drum. But and you know you've been listening to some of this on the Prof G podcast as well. But I'm just amazed by what's happening to Tesla as a company right now. Tesla, which is right now and I think in a precarious position, not, nothing to what Elon is doing, but the fact that you have basically every other car manufacturer is coming out with a competitive product to Tesla. It's been that way for a couple of years. Now you've got the Fords and the GMs and the Chryslers and and every other company that are actually coming out with some really interesting electronic cars out there well elon has gotten into as we've talked about this whole twitter thing and since that's happened tesla shares have fallen 30 percent. and i think that's just the start i think it will continue to drop and that's what happens when you have somebody leadership specifically in this case the ceo elon musk of tesla take their eye off the ball from a strategy standpoint and focus it on twitter a very small piece of a company that is pulling down the value of Tesla. And uh, if you look at the brand value scores of Tesla, they've all come down since Elon Musk took over Twitter. I'm under the assumption that Elon Musk spends a smaller, much smaller percentage of time on focusing on the strategy of Tesla than he did before because he's on Twitter all the time, basically getting in uh, arguments with other people. It's, it's yeah. I can't believe that you're letting this $600 billion company by market cap Tesla just wither away. And you're watching this, by the way, um, I think it went out today that uh, Elon had to sell another three or $4 billion of Tesla stock because he's got to cover all this other stuff that's going on with Twitter. This is just ridiculous. This could, if it's not corrected, go down as one of the worst mistakes by a founder ever. Uh, if he just lets Tesla degrade like this and I'll just bring it back to my keynote that I gave in in Brussels. One of my you know things that I've been talking about for a while is basically kill your darlings. You start to st time to start killing stuff. And if you look at Content Marketing Institute research, they'll tell you that the average enterprise distributes content on basically thirteen to sixteen different ways. And I said, there's no way that's working. There's just too many. You can't be great at all these things. And it's the same thing is happening here to Elon where he's spreading himself too thin and he's not great. So my little reminder to everyone as you're going into 2023 is maybe not form a resolution or things you can add to your plate, but try to get rid of discontinue, as I like to say, some things going into 23 that you can stop doing so that you can have a more productive 23. So everybody you remember your Michael Porter. Yes. What's the quote? 
uh, basically just as important are the things that you do not do. You do not do. You, it, yeah. yeah it, and or it, you it, it, it goes basically strategy is about saying no to things. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Got exactly. It. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, I have two very quick ones here um, that we'll link to in the show notes. The first is coming from Ad Age, and this is this is just me being jealous. Is what it really is. I mean, let's just let's just let's just you know uh, let's just call it <laughs> call it what it is. Um, the article that we'll link to is that the Martin Agency, uh, which is a big. A agency been around for a number of years has named uh, Tasha Dean uh, a chief revenue officer, so a, a newly created position for them, basically to reinvent how the agency gets paid, um, basically to really to figure out new revenue streams. And much in the they, they, I'm sure, took your book, Joe, and opened it up to the Disney page and put that on the wall because when you hear what they're thinking about. It is all of those things, and it's interesting that they are very much thinking about becoming a media company. So there is a real initiative here you can see to get into what we would call content marketing. I am absolutely positive they do not, Um, but they're looking at how, for example, they can get into intellectual property creation. So, for example, they're thinking about writing children's books. Uh, They're thinking about audio. They're thinking about creating iconic creative uh, for animation. And they're also thinking about other revenue streams, such as, this is where it gets kind of goes off the rails for me, things like working with brands to say we should get royalties uh, on the commercials that are run. Um, I don't think that's going anywhere. But the, I guess the, 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 the interesting thing to me, sort of on the sort of positive side of things, is that I think this is a fascinating strategy and a good one, by the way, for agencies to really look at. It's something that I encourage agencies all the time to look at, which is diversifying revenue streams into they've they're built to be creative. They're built to have technological prowess. They're built to have project management and product management built into the... So they're built to create interesting, innovative media properties, and they should, and really try and drive revenue. I've seen a few agencies really kill it with this. Small agencies that have built everything from e-commerce stores to media properties to other things that really draw in and diversify their revenue stream. So 100% behind it. I guess I'm just a little jealous that... Tasha Dean and Martin Agency has a great PR person because this seems to me in ad age to be like, really? This is this is really just a press release that has been repurposed for, uh, for as an article. I mean, it, it might as well have been the press release just verbatim. So it's a little, I don't know. I, I, I'm like I said, I'm just jealous. I just I just look at this and go, wow. Ad age used to have like news and cover stuff with like journalism and stuff, and now it's not. It's now just is the press releases agency from agencies. that big that it gets? Yeah, they're pretty big. Yeah, yeah they're pretty so big. They're 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 well known. I'll say that okay. they're well known. They're 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 well. The, the Martin agency is well known and 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 has a lot of uh, high level clients and and those sorts of things. And they're you know they're well known and I mean they're they're well known in the ad age circles, right? I mean they're that that sort of thing. But it's so love the idea. Uh, the fact that it's a press release in Ad Age annoys me because I'd like Ad Age to be more journalistic, but I don't know. There you go. Uh, the second thing I'll mention briefly, which was something you sent me actually, and we covered on the show, I don't know, six months ago, eight At months least. ago, maybe a year ago, yeah, was Washington Post uh, launched a technology product, CMS, a content management system. And I, at the time, because that's my background, my, my entire background was in software development in the content management space, enterprise content management space. I was fascinated by this because at the time, what I said was it's the biggest CMS company you've never heard of because they're making millions of dollars off of this enterprise content management technology, selling it to other companies, the Washington Post. And they have another one, which is their ad tech, which I've seen some of their uh, folks present before. And the ad tech that they have is also, it's called Zeus. It's actually quite impressive. So they're, as a technology company, Washington Post is actually really interesting. The What we'll link to in the show notes is Simon Owen's media newsletter, by the way, a fantastic newsletter if you haven't gotten it. Um, and uh, Simon talks about why media companies like Washington Post, using them as an example, are struggling to really operate as tech companies, which is 
very much, you know, here we go, right? Ad agencies acting like media companies, media companies acting like technology companies. And the struggle is real with these, um, with these switches as we start looking at it. And the execution here is what's at play because the reason that the he wrote this article was because I guess Washington Post is thinking about divesting themselves of Zeus, the ad tech prop platform, and looking at spinning out the entire uh, technology, the CMS company, as its own company. I have to tell you, I think my my take on it, my hot take on it, without knowing any of the details, is that that both things are a bad idea. I would figure out a way to make them work within the company itself um, because the complaint is, is that they're not getting nearly enough attention and it's really hard to market it as from the Washington Post and it's really hard to get reach into new audiences for this technology being that you're selling it from the Washington Post. I actually think as a marketing guy, it's a differentiator in the marketplace. Let's. I'm just going to be really frank here. The content management business sucks right now. It's hard because there are one, two, three players max that are really, you know, driving the market right now. Number one is Adobe uh, in the enterprise space. And so it's hard. It's a difficult business to be in. But I think, honestly, I think the Washington Post having a brand behind their CMS system is a differentiator, not a not a ball and chain weighing them down. So I would go the other way with it, but that's uh, just me. Anyway, fantastic article covering this. Wanted to call attention to it. And I think it's a really interesting thing to follow for media companies that are looking to drive technology solutions. By the way, this goes for agencies too, agencies that develop technology. It's hard. It's hard. You know, they're different businesses. But ultimately, as my friend Joe Polizzi says, it's all the same business. It's how do you attract an audience that wants to buy your stuff? Do you agree that uh, them spinning it off would work, WAPO? No. I think they should keep it. You're saying it's a differentiator. They should just figure out lean into it i would lean into the washington post doing this i would lean into i would very much like amazon web services right i would i would amazon web services this stuff i would talk about why lean you know one of the things that amazon did so brilliantly when it launched amazon web services was to lean into we had to do all this stuff ourselves to scale the way we did so therefore just think what we can do for you that was kind of the messaging in the early days of aws yeah and People bought into it, and the product was good. Let's be honest. The product was amazing. In the early days of AWS, I can remember signing up for their email engine. I can sign. I remember signing up for their cloud computing. We as a company, as a startup company, signed up for the infrastructure, the hosting, the cloud hosting services, and it was unbelievably scalable and brilliant. And the reason was because Amazon had to build it for themselves. It was like the way they had to build logistics for themselves, so they got to be experts at it. And... In the same way, Washington Post has to have become experts in managing huge, huge levels of dynamic content uh, and have gotten really good at it. And I have heard, I have not personally seen, but I have heard that the that their content management system is actually quite good. And I think, for me, I would lean into that whole thing. I would lean into it and build an entire technology division for Washington Post and Amazon Web Services, that stuff. So that's just, you know me I totally agree with that take I mean when when I was running uh, pet and custom media we used to come up against competitors that said oh yeah you you can't you know you don't want to go with pet and custom media because they don't do what we do full-time they're actually part of a you know b2b publisher and it's just the side you know it's it's just a side department whatever it's like right we focus on this all the time and I used to come in and say this is what we do we do this for real we are publishers. So we know this better than so you need to fight that back and forth. But I agree. You can go well, that's either a, direction, but you can absolutely yeah. lean into it. It's a, it, the, the, the thing to me that is so interesting is that they have a template, right? Because exactly what you're saying is the risk. I see this all the time in companies that are offering up products or want to offer up products that are corollary, not really core to what they do. And this is clearly the case here. But they have the most brilliant template in the way that Amazon did it. And honestly, the owner of Washington Post is Bezos, so he knows exactly how they did it. And so how, you know, the the struggle is to how do you lean into it and not make it a side hustle for the business, right? How do you make it a core piece of what it is you're doing? Now, that, that may be what they mean by spin it out, 
they may spin it out as a division of Washington Post or something like that. That may be what they ultimately mean sure. here. So I don't, you know, that's where I go, eh, okay, I don't, but I, but personally, from a brand and marketing perspective, I would lean into the Washington Post brand. I would not spin it out of its own company with its own brand, with its own, that's that's the perfect way to make it die in oblivion, right? Is to try and raise the profile of yet another CMS system out there that doesn't have any ties to a big brand. True. Yeah. Instead of spinning it off and saying we've got the we've got our biggest customer is Washington Post. Yeah. Well, <laughs> among others, I mean, they've do. got they've got a they've got an incredible client list yeah. that that you know you only know because you go to their website and look at. But they they've got real companies on this thing, so it's 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 not a it's not a new thing. It's it's been around for a few years. It's a well tested. But here's the thing: the analysts don't cover it. The you know it's not generally covered in the content management you know press. Uh, none of that stuff is covered because they aren't, it's a side hustle for them right now. And so if they're trying to really make it a thing, which I think, again, they should, they would, they would lean into that and sort of make it, you know, we are competing with Adobe. Yeah. As again, you're, I mean, you're right. You're right, but they yeah, don't listen to I, you. It's, what they is don't. wrong with them? They don't. They, they don't, don't listen to this podcast. They, they don't. don't. Listen to you. Yeah. What do you got on. coming up this week? Uh, well, work wise, uh, you know, working on budgets for next year, kind of fun stuff. We got some speaker announcements coming out for Creator Economy Ooh. Expo, so I'm very excited about that. We're really we're nice. way ahead of where we were last year at this point, so I'm very excited about the event in May, and then you know, getting ready for uh, getting ready for the holidays. Lots of family All stuff right. coming up. So, and I and of course, it. Browns games in there somewhere. Yes, of course. To. Yes, but yeah. To fit those in. Thing. So, what do you got going fit on? Fit those in. You have to. You have to fit in the disappointments in yeah, your life. Exactly. I guess. can't be all happy. <laughs> it can't be all good tidings. So. That's right. Uh, well, we're just wrapping up the wrapping up the year here. We're heads down with a lot of client work right now, trying to wrap things up before the middle of next week, as I said. Uh, then take a little time off and uh, figure out. Uh, you and I have to figure out our recording schedule for what we're doing uh, over the holidays yes, here. Do. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's all going to be good, and really looking forward to it. Uh, and that's not for you to figure out, folks. That's for us to figure out. We will figure that out, but we will be back next week. And until next week, just remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We will see you next week one way or the other on This Old Marketing.